The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is Alzheimer's disease, mountains, and family caregiving. So first, what what is Alzheimer's disease? It's a disease of the brain. It seriously harms thinking, memory, and behavior. It isn't curable, and it gets worse with time. It's the most common form of dementia, which is a group of brain conditions that harm thinking, memory, and behavior. And sooner or later, Alzheimer's affects all aspects of a person's life. Today, as we're talking, about 5.5 million North Americans have Alzheimer's disease or a related dementia. And if nothing changes, there's no cure, if we don't figure out what to do, Within 25 years, the number of North Americans living with Alzheimer's disease or the related dementia is expected to more than double. Now, to talk about Alzheimer's disease, mountains, and family caregiving, I'm welcoming two guests, Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. And first, I'm going to introduce Alan by giving you his bio. Um, He's an aging baby boomer from Colorado. That's how he describes himself was once a technology executive with Hewlett-Packard in Geneva, Switzerland. Now he's driven by the tragedy of his mother's death from Alzheimer's disease. The tragedy transformed him into a champion for the fight against Alzheimer's disease. So now he's devoting his life to raising money, raising money through mountaineering. He's currently tackling the world's highest mountains with his seven summits climbed for Alzheimer's. Through this, he aims to raise a million dollars for Alzheimer's research and care. He's already raised tens of thousands of dollars through his climbing efforts. He's driven by the desire to preserve the identities, the memories, and the lives of individuals that Alzheimer's disease will ultimately take, which is why his seven summits climb is called Memories Are Everything. Sue Kelly, our other guest, is a registered nurse with a specialization in public health nursing. She's Director of Health and Wellness with We Care Health Services in Toronto, Ontario. For Alzheimer's disease, she's rolled out to the We Care Network 
a dedicated care program, one of seven such programs on the network, and also for Alzheimer's disease, but as part of her voluntary work, which she does a lot of, she's the organizer of Alzheimer's Coffee Break Day. She's developed a partnership with the Canadian Diabetes Association, which includes clinical programs and educational courses for personal service workers. She's project manager for the Remote Access to Care Technology Partnership, which provides wireless biometric screening for people with chronic diseases. She's involved in organizing workshops on home telehealth. She's facilitated courses for service providers in palliative care, among her other work and voluntary activities. And she also has personal family caregiver experience. So welcome to the show, Alan and Sue. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you. Okay. Now I'm going to start off with Alan, please. Um, please, would you tell us more about your family's experience with the disease, Alzheimer's disease? Alan? Sure. Uh, first off, again, thanks so much for having me on the program. I really appreciate it and being here with Sue. Um, you know, it, it was back when my mother was in her early 70s that uh, that we first saw some uh, some signs but I really didn't understand the disease and I think you know we'll get more into this as the show progresses but uh, we watched my mom go through the you know the stages of Alzheimer's where you you know you have she began by losing her short-term memory and and then she lost her uh, long-term memory and she lost uh, the ability to take care of herself and um, as uh, as as our family went through that whole journey with her, uh, it was just devastating on so many so many different levels. You know, obviously watching her go through it was just was just devastating, but also the helplessness that our family felt that I felt in trying to navigate the you know the world of treatments and care and and just trying to do what I could um, and learning about the disease and then. You know that that day that as I really understood it and internalized that this was a fatal disease that there was no cure. Um, it just you know how do you as a as an individual watch your you know watch your your parent or another loved one go through that? Um, for me, it just really rallied something inside of me that said that uh, you know, that I can't just stand by and, and do nothing and and just chalk this up to uh, yet another disease that devastates families and finances and individuals. So that's kind of where this whole idea of, um, of becoming an advocate and trying to raise the money for the research and raise the awareness and be an advocate for caregivers uh, was all born. And it's all done to, uh, to honor my mom. Great. Um, I also have two aunts that died of this disease. And, you know, and for every 70 seconds, a family that begins the same tragic journey. So. Yep. Um, we're going to go into that, that yeah. story more um, in a moment. But, Sue, first, tell us more about your professional work with family caregivers who are caring for a family member with Alzheimer's disease, just like Alan was. What do you do? All right. Well, thank you, Gordon, and it's a pleasure to be on your program today. And, and Alan, it's, uh, I'm sure I'll be inspired by listening to your journey. Um, so I am a registered nurse, and uh, I'll say with over 30 years' experience, I've stopped at 30. <laughs> um, and um, the bulk of my career really was as a visiting nurse. Um, in the greater Toronto area. And, um, and so as I was welcomed into people's homes, um, patients' homes, I got to know their families. 
and uh, their family caregivers and how they were providing care often um, 24-7 to their loved ones. I was continually inspired by uh, the devotion, their time, attention, and love that they showed to their loved ones. And often it was a family affair. It wasn't just the adult children. Um, it was even their the teenagers who would be involved, or even school-age children caring for a grandparent. Um, and so um, um, after... Uh, in my visiting nursing career, and that's where I was doing a lot of palliative care, end-of-life care. Uh, um, now I have been with We Care for the past 12 years and um, taken my experience, I guess, to a, um, I guess from Toronto, but the supporting our nurses and our professional caregivers across Canada, um, as we are a national company, and trying to develop programs um, and educational programs to support our staff who are caring for families, and, uh, and patients in their homes. Right. Now, I've got a question, one more question for each of you. I'm going to have to ask you to be fairly swift in answering it if you don't have enough time. We'll come back to it in the second segment. But, Alan, first, how long have you been mountain climbing, and why are you doing it to support family caregiving? That's the first part of the question. Alan? Well, I started when I was 38, uh, so I'm kind of a, a late bloomer. I decided to get a career and, you know, a family and a house and a car before I started climbing, unlike a lot of other people. Uh, so, um, so why am I doing this to support uh, family caregiving? It's, you know, the whole idea is that my mountain climbing um, through the Internet and websites, I have a pretty good following, and I decided to use that following in conjunction with my climbing to bring awareness to this. Because what I found is that, uh, you know, Alzheimer's is a, and, and all forms of dementia are often just confused with just uh, aging, and people really don't understand it. And if you try to talk to the people often at that level, uh, they tune you out. But if you talk about it in conjunction with, uh, as you uh, said earlier, an aging baby boomer who is clinging on to his youth trying to climb mountains, and I can talk about climbing Mount Everest and, you know, again, pushing through my pain barriers and trying to do something that is, uh, you know, personal and meaningful to me, that combined with the message that this disease needs more research, caregivers need more support, and we need to find a cure for this disease, that resonates at a whole lot of different levels to people. That's a powerful story. Now, Sue, please tell us about your own and your family's experience with family caregiving and how this influences you in your professional work. Well, um, although this wasn't Alzheimer's, um, my dad um, died in 2006, and you know, I realized through our, our family coming together to care for my dad that just how lucky we are. I mean, how perfect is this um, in that my dad, who's dying, my mom, and there's seven kids, the eldest being me, their daughter, who's a nurse and who has a specialty in palliative care. Well, isn't this, this was wonderful. Really, my mom and dad felt so supported. I was caring for my dad because we, he wanted to stay at home and I wanted to, to support him. Um, I was the main caregiver through the day, and I had siblings, one or two at night, who would be there to care for my dad so that I could sleep. We had a palliative care physician who visited about three times a week, um, who was wonderfully supportive to me. And, um, uh, and, and so I was 
Like, really, my family was privileged to have all of this in place to support my dad, but that's the exception. Most families don't. They don't know where to turn. There, there might only be one sibling, um, and I feel so badly for people who have the total burden upon their shoulders. Um, and so navigating the healthcare system is, is a huge mountain to climb. Right. And so the, the more we can do to help family caregivers um, uh, access the care they need to do the very best for their par- parents or family member, the better. So your good experience is motivating you to encourage or help other people have as good an experience as possible, which I think uh, is absolutely. great. Yeah. Now, it is time for us to pay the rent, so we do have to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley. My guests are Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for total career success on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. Our topic is Alzheimer's disease, mountains, and family caregiving. Now, I want to ask, Alan, what's the connection you see between mountain climbing on the one hand and caring for family caregiving for Alzheimer's disease? What what do these two things have in common? Well, you know, Gordon, a very, very quick story. The first mountain that I saw that I thought was completely impossible to climb was this real pointy peak in Nepal called Blom. And Sir Edmund Hillary once uh, called it unclimbable, and I felt the same way the first time that I saw it. And that's often how people feel about about Alzheimer's and taking care of their family members, is that once they understand the extent of the disease, it's unclimbable. It's just undealable. 
and it frustrates them on so many levels. I went on to successfully climb that 23,000-foot mountain, and it, was, it, is, it remains today the highlight of my mountaineering uh, uh, career with over 20 major expeditions around the world. But it showed to me uh, even then that things that you think are seemingly impossible are actually possible. Now, right now, it's impossible to have a cure for Alzheimer's. But that's what the goal, that's what the vision is, and that's the message I'm trying to get out is that with the research, with the support, that we can find a cure for this disease, and in the meantime, that we can support the family caregivers that are giving up so much as they deal with it. Right. That's a great segue into my question for Sue. You know, among the family caregivers you're working with, how common is Alzheimer's disease, and what is it about the disease that first brings the family caregivers to you for help? All right, uh, Gordon. And, you know, I think it's with family caregivers, um, it's the feeling of being burdened and this impossible um, mountain to climb. And where do they turn for help? Um, And so um, people who may call We Care or other companies like ourselves, a home care provider in Canada, um, and in, and throughout the United States um, are looking for help. And so, um, you know, with We Care, um, we have about 3,000 uh, professional caregivers who are caring for about 15,000 patients every week in uh, throughout our We Care network. Uh, and and so, these family members are turning to us for answers and helping to navigate the healthcare system and um, put the puzzle pieces together. That's what I, I believe that we care, how they help support the family in caring for their loved one, is looking at all the pieces of the puzzle and one piece by piece, we put it all together to give them peace of mind and hope that they can do it. So it's navigation and hope. And I think that, Alan, comes to me as a sort of lead into your, the question I have for you next, which is um, how prepared were you for your family's first experience with Alzheimer's disease? What were the kind of things you needed help with right at the start? And where did you go for help? And what happened when you went there? Alan? You know, we were not prepared at all, zero. Uh, even though my father, uh, his, as he did as a profession, he was the administrator for a nursing home, um, we were not prepared for uh, dementia and for the, the devastation of Alzheimer's. Um, so when we began to understand what was happening and we had the diagnosis from, you know, from the physicians that this is what my mother was experiencing and this was what the future held, um, you know, I went to the Internet to look around and try to find out the most I could, and there were lots of wonderful websites out there that had uh, very, very good information. Uh, obviously, I went to, you know, back to the physicians. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, I'm by, per- by profession in my business career, I'm a problem solver, and I was trying to solve the problem. And after a while, I realized that uh, I couldn't solve the problem. All I could do was to cope with it. And so that's when turning to other people that had gone through this before, um, other uh, caregivers, other uh, facilities, again, utilizing websites, uh, reading books, uh, just talking to people, that became not only a source of information but also solace that, uh, you know, that helped me and the rest of my family uh, get through this. 
but it was it was very very frustrating and very painful and you know there you go through the the stages of grief um you know from denial through uh, bargaining and acceptance and and eventually you realize that the best thing that you can do uh for your loved one is just to uh make sure they know that they're loved uh make sure they know that they're comfortable that they're safe uh and that you're there with them at every step of the way right so the kind of experience, that the type of experience that Alan's just described, uh, in the early times, well, how common is that? What help do you recommend in that stage? And um, what do you actually personally say to family caregivers in that situation? Sue? Yes, I would say that, um, you know, of all of our clients, um, who are mainly seniors um, in in Canada, um, a, a good 50% of our um, home care clients are living with um, a form of dementia, Alzheimer's. I'm not talking about our home, like our um, acute care clients, but in our, are those living with chronic diseases um, that we see many, many families living with this. And so uh, one of the most important um, pieces of assistance, really, is that they are reaching out early to um, talk with a home care uh, specialist. And knowledge is, um, it, knowledge gives them um, confidence in, in the, what the future holds. And so as um, Alan, you know, you were so wise to reach out to, um, to go onto the internet. I'm sure the Alzheimer's Society is, is, has a, does have a menus of uh, education and uh, information to help. The family physician is um, very key, although sometimes it's difficult for um, family to to take their loved one to the family doctor and for the right test to happen and to have a plan to, to have a diagnosis. So that diagnosis is, is very key. And once that we have that, then um, it allows you to um, step-by-step um, get things in place to support that person. So it's kind of knowing what you're dealing with. That's Absolutely. Right. You, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, Alan, you, you mentioned talking to other family caregivers caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease. What are the things you spoke about with them or wanted to speak about with them, and how useful are these discussions among family caregivers, and why are they useful? You know, I want to amplify one of the points that Sue just made is that uh, knowledge is really power when it comes to dealing with this disease. Um, and the frustrating part, and this is what I uh, began to consult with other, um, you know, other caregivers and other members of the community about, is all the confusing facts out there. Um, and it's just overwhelming. If you, if you do go onto the Internet and you, you do a, a search, you can just be overwhelmed with the yeah, contradictory information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that it took a lot of time to sort through. You know, and I think, though, at the end of the day, uh, again, as we began to understand more and more about the disease and what the progression was and what to expect, um, we began to look for best practices from other caregivers. So, for example, uh, I, my mother had always enjoyed music, uh, and we began to make sure that she had music available to her. Uh, and that seemed to be a soothing thing. It put a smile on her face. Um, you know, just just sitting in a room and holding your hand and not saying a word, 
that was a huge value for everybody. Uh, and you begin to talk about what worked for your situation versus what somebody else had a good idea. Maybe it was art, you know, maybe it was painting, maybe it was music in our case. Um, but those best practices that you could share and then you could implement, and, and at the end of the day, it, you know, it helped. Right. So um, as the disease progresses, that is, we're, so to speak, beyond this early stage and we're getting into the disease as it's going downhill. Oh, okay. What are the major challenges that then loom up for family caregivers? Okay, well, major challenges. Um, it's um, And it's, you know, very individual, too, um, for each person. It, it's not always the same, for sure. It, the progression, the, uh, um, the symptoms, uh, the deterioration is unique per person. Um, some of the... Um, Areas that we would look at um, with someone perhaps in the middle stage of um, a dementia, Alzheimer, um, and it's part of it is too is educating the family, um, encouraging and assisting, um, and helping families to understand that the loved one needs those kinds of assists and cues to remind them about the necessities for, you know, eating and dressing and toileting, um, and helping them with their ambulation, just keeping them them mobile and. So the need for some, you know, gentle exercising just to, to, to um, so that they're physic- trying to, I guess, maximize whatever they have to, to do that to the best of their ability um, in promoting the, the best quality of life as possible. And as Gordon, I'm sorry, as Alan, you know, that was beautiful when you mentioned about your, your mom loved music. So what are those? hobbies or those enjoyments that they loved that they take great comfort in and and remember you know it brings them comfort and joy um and um uh, including them as much as one can into their day-to-day living right now i'm going to just quickly um go into the next break but i do want to just put this quick one to you um to you sue and that's this that what would you put as the top challenge for this sort of zone that you're talking about? What's, you're not at the end of life, but on the other hand, the disease is well established. What's topmost in your mind of the challenges? I think what um, we care or can bring to families is support and encouragement and what to anticipate um, and helping them in accepting the mental and the physical deterioration. Um, and, and so it's sort of a proactive approach to support so it, in helping them know what could be around the corner, but what we have in place. And this is how we're going to help you when that happens, so that they're, you know, you're decreasing that aloneness and isolation, and that just having a plan helps to um, provide peace of mind. Right. Now, it's that time... Um, for us to take a break again. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guests are Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back with the next section. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Classes in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at my. M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. Our topic is Alzheimer's disease, mountains, and family caregiving. Now, let's talk about the ways in which family caregivers meet the mountain-sized challenges of Alzheimer's disease. Alan, first of all, as your family members with Alzheimer's disease near the end of life. What types of help did you need most? Where did you go to find the help, and what was your experience with the help? End of life. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> this is a, a, the most one of the most difficult. I think the beginning and the end were the most difficult. You know, accepting what was happening in the beginning, and as we near the end of life, it's um, just trying to understand what we could do, the type of help that we needed the most was just understanding um, when, if and when hospice was appropriate, and in our case it was. Um, again, working with the physicians um, and other other organizations uh, helped us to make that decision. Uh, it was a you know, it was one of those bittersweet decisions. It was something that we knew was the right thing to do, but also entering into that phase, there was the clear finality of it all. Uh, that forced us to accept, you know, the inevitable. Uh, it was painful. Uh, it was, you know, probably not, not much more to say than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we really tried hard to, to help my mom be as comfortable as possible, but at some point you realize the right thing to do is to, is to let them go. Um, and, again, understanding what other people's... Um, Experiences had been uh, making sure that we had consulted, making sure that we were uh, managing uh, all the various uh, possible treatments and trying to help her be as comfortable and as happy. And the biggest thing toward the end of life, in my mind, my priority began became um, for her to feel, to the extent that she could, the continuation of the love that she had provided to us as her children and her family and the love that we had given to her, continuing that uh, up until the very last second, and that was the priority. Okay. Excellent. 
So would be, I've got a question for you, but a, just a quick preliminary. Please explain what a hospice is, and then give us your thoughts about the type of help family caregivers need as the family member with the disease nears the end of life. In other words, what's your perspective on that? Uh, and and so um, hospice, um, usually, it, like in Canada, it, it is a, an independent facility caring for people at their end of life. Um, I know in the U.S. that they have hospice visitors that um, are a team of nurses totally devoted to palliative care and supporting those living at uh, the end of their life. And so um, families do have the option of caring for their loved one at home, or they could be in a, in a hospital or a palliative care unit within a hospital, or it could be a freestanding hospice. Um, and um, as you said, Alan, it was knowing when the time was right um, and knowing that you had options, I think, probably um, knowing what was out there um, in the eventuality that, and then you knew it, it eventually would happen, that, there were, that they were available. Yeah. So would you say then that making the decision that you've both just been talking about, you know, what, whether the hospice is right and if so, what kind of hospice arrangement, would you say that's the prime decision um, challenge at this particular stage once people recognize, family caregivers recognize that the end of life is coming? Um, Sue, first of all, your quick comment on that. Well, and um, just just before that, you know, when you know the end of life is there, I'm sure, um, Alan, you were um, debating within your family, all right, what, um, how are we going to care? How are we going to care for um, uh, mom? And uh, who's going to be available? And how, how are we going to do this? And knowing what's available from um, the community support, um, what kind of time and energy, time off work, if someone's caring for them during the day, who's going to get, you know, getting sleep at night? And like, just before the end, I think that probably took a fair bit of time and energy and, 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 and in caring for your mom. Right. You know, I jump in here absolutely. The um, um, sharing the responsibility across mm-hmm. the family, and more importantly, uh, I really want to emphasize this point: is that because of my my father's healthcare um, profession with the nursing home, oh, yeah. we understood the need of having um, uh, living wills and those type of directives uh, long before this ever happened. And I am so thankful that. When the time came, we knew precisely, uh, not only about my mom's case, but also my father's case, exactly what decisions that they wanted to have happen. And that pre-planning, that ability to discuss this adult to adult, not parent to child, <laughs> but adult to adult, uh, was so critical that when the time came to make those tough decisions, Gordon, that you're asking us about, it was, um, while painful, it was clear what the right decision to make was. Right, right. Now, I'm going to switch emphasis just a little bit, and that's this. Um, The diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease for family caregivers is discouraging news. And, Alan, I want to ask you something opposite. What are the things of family caregiving for Alzheimer's disease that made the sun shine for you and still make the sun shine for you? That's easy. My mom's laugh. 
uh, her character, her personality, uh, you know, up until literally the very uh, last stages, the last few months, I could always get my mom to laugh. I could tell her a silly joke. Um, you know, we could sit there and we could laugh about, you know, the silliest things, the color of a flower, the, um, the smell in the air, the, a cloud in the sky. Uh, I would like to take her for drives and she would look at a billboard and she would laugh about it. Um, there would always be something that was deep in her character. My mother, uh, throughout her life, always enjoyed to do touch her toes. And she was so proud that throughout her life she would be able to stand up straight and reach down and touch her toes 20 times. <laughs> and I would, you know, up until the very end, I was able to say, Mom, have you done your toe touches today? And she would, you know, she'd go, no, nope, I haven't. And then off she'd go, and she'd touch her toes for 20 times. I, I couldn't do that, would, you know. And I would just sit there, and we would giggle and laugh. And those, those memories, those memories of life, that's what's most precious. And keeping those alive, uh, even though you may think they're gone, and me, even though as a caregiver you may be exhausted of answering the same question for the 500th time that day or, or telling the same joke or laughing at the same joke, that's what it's all about, right. is maintaining that continuity. Right. Same question for you, Sue. What are the things that make the sunshine for you in your work with family caregivers caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease? Sue? Well, first of all, um, uh, being inspired by, by family caregivers um, and their dedication to, to their loved one and the sacrifices they make um, with jobs and finances and their own personal um, happiness to, to do whatever it takes to do the best for their loved one. And from a, a nursing point of view, um, you know, it's that person-centered care. It's um, making that, that person is still a person um, who loves to touch your toes or listen to music, um, caring for somebody um, and relieving suffering and helping the family um, manage the care is um, what nursing is all about and um, is very satisfying. And very encouraging to others because it all does seem so bleak, doesn't it? And it often is extremely tough. But at the same time, and I've heard this from many, many people on this, on this show, that the sun does shine. And I, I like to ask this question because I think it helps many other people um, in, the, in the way that you've just helped the people who are listening to um, this particular episode. Now, I, another quick one for both of you. Um, you dedicated, Alan, one of your recent climbs to family caregivers. What was it called, this climb? Where was it? And um, have you actually done it, or are you going to do it? Well, this one was when I just uh, returned from about a week ago. It was the highest mountain in South America, and it's called Aconcagua, a little under 7,000 meters or 23,000 feet in Argentina. In Argentina. Um, yes, and on the summit, uh, I called into, our, into the blog, into our site, and dedicated the climb to the family caregivers, mainly because, um, rightfully so, so much of the attention of Alzheimer's and dementia go to the individual impacted. And, um, you know, often is said there's a silent part of this disease uh, that affects so many more people, and that is to the caregivers. Um, Sue said it perfectly a moment ago that the sacrifices that they give in terms of uh, time, jobs, 
finance um, their own lives, and sometimes it, 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 it can break up families. Um, that is, is almost as devastating. In fact, there are studies that you know talk about the impact of being a caregiver on the caregiver's health as much as the individual that they're caring for. And I really want to bring focus to, uh, if you can call it, the plight of the, fair, of the caregiver and, and help them understand that they're not alone, that there are resources out there um, you know, through organizations like what Sue's representing and, and other ones um, you know, across North America and the rest of the world. That, that they need to get out there and, and, and get help. Um, you know, they need to understand that it's okay for them to take care of themselves, yes. that if they can't take care of themselves, they can't take care of their loved ones. Yes, that's huge. Right. And exactly. Uh, and that there are resources and they're, and they're not alone. And that's the reason I dedicated that climb uh, to the family caregivers. So um, Alan's going to be raising money through that climb. Short, very briefly, because you're going to get another cut at this question in, in the fourth uh, um, segment. What do you see as the highest priority in family caregiving for the way in which the funding could be used? Well, if I had to narrow it down to one, knowing I'm getting another chance at this, I think we need a national caregiver strategy. Um, um, and it's a basis for dialogue with the provinces and the territories here in Canada, with, throughout the United States, um, looking at, a coord- at a coordinated measures that focus on family caregivers and what can be readily available for them to support their loved ones. Right. Now, uh, that's a very good moment to pause, go into the break, and then come back, because I'm going to be asking you um, what you would like to see done at this big level by government, by healthcare systems, and the rest of it. So let's take the break now. It is that time. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guests are Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We'll be back. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Do you remember what life was like when you were young? Having the mobility and ability to play all day and then sleep through the night without needing coffee in the morning? For the majority of us, gone are those days. But they don't have to be. Transforming Health with Brad King will show you how you can awaken your youthful energy potential and live a disease-free life of abundant energy and vitality. Transforming Health is broadcast live every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Alan Arnett and Sue Kelly. Our topic is Alzheimer's disease, mountains, and family caregiving. Now, family caregiving is more and more important, not just for families, though it's very, very important for them, but also for the healthcare systems and society as a whole in North America and beyond. So now let's talk about ways in which family caregivers can be helped more. Now, Alan, first of all, how well understood is the financial and personal burden, and you've mentioned these, that Alzheimer's disease places on persons with the disease their family caregivers and society, and what do you want to do, do and see done to increase the understanding? Alan? Well, I, I can tell you, Gordon, from personal experience that, um, that the financial and the personal burden of Alzheimer's on my mom was not understood by our family at all. Uh, or if we did, we had a cursory layman's view of it. Uh, once we began to understand that in our case um, we uh, we were fortunate enough to find a facility for my mother, but it, it was at the cost of uh, over five thousand dollars a month, and that you know this is now approaching you know five years ago that number, so it's gone up considerably, and that's in the that's in the U.S. Uh, five thousand U.S. dollars a month. Um, you know that that financial burden was was large. Obviously, the we've talked about this a little bit. The the uh, personal burden of uh, you know who's going to make those the tough decisions, uh, who's going to be there uh, when you know when when she needs it day in day out. Uh, both my brother and I lived uh, different states. I lived in Colorado. My brother lived on the West Coast. Uh, I was we were very fortunate. That my, my mother had nine brothers and sisters that lived in the general area of um, of Tennessee where my mom was. So there were lots of friends and family, but we had to struggle with the decision of do we move my mother to to live with my wife and I, my family? Uh, you know, does my brother? You know, do we? Do, does she go there? Do we move there? Um, those 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 gut riching decisions. Um, just there's no good answer for it. And again, uh, reaching out and trying to understand and internalize that there are help, there are people that you can talk to that have been through this that can provide the support, at least at a minimum, they can be a sounding board for you. Um, there are organizations uh, that can help facilitate that and helping caregivers and people entering um, you know, this journey. Like I said in the very beginning, every 70 seconds, another family is opening the door and seeing this journey ahead of them. And for them to understand that there are resources out there and making those more visible uh, in the same in, in the way what Sue was talking about before the break of a, of a national strategy, be it in Canada, the U.S., or France, or any place, that people know where to go for help. I think is absolutely critical. Yes. Right. So I'm, I cut you off in the middle of asking about priorities because I only let you name your top one. I want you to name more your top three priorities for the kind of things Alan's talking about and the kind of things you see in your professional work. What are your priorities, Sue? You know, and if we had a, 
if we could uh, have this dream, um, what would what would we see in it? And Alan, you kind of alluded to that. Like, if if once we had a diagnosis, wouldn't it be wonderful that there was, um, you know, a a person or a team that could come and um, support families um, at you know at no at no cost whatsoever. Um, I would like to just add a note that you know in Canada, and I mean not just for Alzheimer's, but for the family caregiving, what that means in cost savings for the government is like twenty-five billion dollars that family caregivers are saving the healthcare system. I mean, if we want to talk about finances for a minute, um, and so um, there there needs to be respite. Um, that families need a break, as Alan said, or they can't go on and care. Often spouses are could be living with chronic diseases themselves, um, and I've seen it more often that a fa- the family member could have a heart attack or die, leaving, oh, my goodness, an even more dire situation. Um, and so they need, they need time off. You need a break, a regular breaks that are provided to them. And then financially... Um, more financial tax credits um, for family caregivers and modifying the Canada Pension Plan so that those with, you know, who have taken time off work with a reduced income as a result of their family caregiving are protected. Right. And um, so, um, and along with respite, but it's slightly different, is home care. Like there has to be more um, dollars allowed for um, home care services for. Pers- personal support workers and homemakers who are increasing those hours per week or time at night so that family can sleep to support them in, in just the, the physical um, and the physical management of, of their home and, of course, and I mean of the loved one, number one, but also what else has to be done in caring, caring for that person at home. Fair enough. Gordon, can I quickly add that, yes. that in the U.S., um, the Alzheimer's Association has an interesting quote um, that for every penny spent, U.S. penny spent on, um, on research, that over one U.S. dollar is spent on care. And mm. so we have, the, we have the investment model upside down, that we are spending more to take care of people rather than trying to find uh, a way out of this. And obviously, we're, that's kind of the state that we're in in the life cycle of this. But we have got to find a way to get ahead of this model. And the type of things that Sue are talking about right now would go a long way to helping us get there. Right. And that's a good point, Alan, which I didn't say, but it is research. It's dollars into research to eventually find a cure, for sure. Now, Alan, I'm going to just come back to you, uh, not to disagree with you, but to ask you this question about funding. Uh, everywhere in healthcare, anywhere you go, there's more and more demand for funding, and there there are very good reasons for more funding. So the question, my question to you is this: What are the arguments you use for more funding to help family caregivers? Why is that so important? Now I know you've said about cure and research, no argument about that. But nevertheless, please make for us the argument of why more funding for help for family caregivers, is important. Well, what we have here is, is, an, is an and, not an or. This is not a, a choice between support for caregivers or support for research. It's a support for both uh, because they go hand in hand. 
caregivers, uh, again, as we have already mentioned a couple of times, are, are in many ways the unseen victims of, of dementia and Alzheimer's and other aspects of aging. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, many families, in our case, we were fortunate to work with a facility. Uh, in Sue's case, um, you know, they, they chose not. They, had a, they did it at home. That's more common because people often don't have a choice. Uh, and so by giving the, by providing the caregivers with more resources, uh, the ability to take a day off, the ability to uh, have a visiting nurse come in and consult with them to make sure that the, that the treatments or the medications that they've chosen are the correct ones, that the interactions with other types of uh, treatments they may be doing, the ideas that we talked about earlier of music or art, um, you know, the, the opportunity just to help those caregivers know that they're not alone and that there are resources. And it's a long, impressive list. But most people, you know, there's a stigma with this disease. And, you know, when you first, when you first begin to understand it, you go, oh, my gosh, you know, um, is, is this a, is this, is, has my mom gone crazy? No. She suffers from a disease just like diabetes or cancer or heart disease. And that's the attitude by which we need to approach this and support the caregivers. Fair enough. Now, we are running to the end, but I want this last one to go to Sue. You're a professional caregiver, Sue, and I used to be one once. Um, you're in there helping family caregivers and people with the condition. But what more do you think that, for example, family doctors can do more to help family mm -hmm. caregivers? Tough question, I know. Have a go. Um, you know, the, the family doctor really is the gatekeeper. And un, sometimes unfairly, they, um, um, families look to the family physician for all of the answers. And it's tough for them to know it all. And, and it's, so it's, it, it, I think it too, it's, it's educating family doctors on, on community resources so they can make the referral to the right uh, you know, profession, so the family gets all the answers, um, and a plan can be developed. But the, um, you know, if more, you know, as with my palliative care physician who made a huge difference and was a huge support to me, if um, in some situations where a family doctor could be visiting the family and providing um, an assessment, a review of medications um, right in the home. Um, because it, it can be very challenging to bring to bring that patient to to a family doctor's office. So more help like that right in the home, I think, would be a huge um, support to family caregivers. Tremendous. In other words, I'm going to put that. Uh, there isn't time to discuss it, Alan. So I'm going to put it to you as a suggestion that maybe some of the awareness raising that you're talking about should also be directed at family docs in the way that. Sue's talking about, and um, I believe that's a need too, so I really do agree with her quite strongly on that. So that's just, if you like, a hint, <laughs> um, and so there it goes. Now, it is coming to the end, unfortunately, um, because we, we all would have had a lot more to say on this cri critically important topic, but let me say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. And please do email us with your comments and questions, which I'll be happy to pass on. I want to say thank you to our guests, Alan and Sue, for sharing us with us your experience, your insights, and your advice. Now, in, in your 
individual ways. You're both working in the same direction with the same purposes, and you're, you're both inspired by your own experiences. And I want to just say to you, on behalf of everybody who's struggling with this illness, with the family caregiving, that we all wish you, perhaps for everybody's sake, every possible success with what you're doing. You go up the mountains, Alan, and um, Sue, you go into the homes, and what you're doing is profoundly important for healthcare, for people, for North America, and for humanity. Let me put it as strongly as that. Now, in our next episode, we're going to talk about an innovative program for youth and adults with various mental health conditions. Please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.